welcome to this very important panel discussion, which is focused on professional development, advice for current residents and fellows. You all are fellows within ACCP, so congratulations to you all. But my question is, um, how did you all first become involved with ACCP and how long have you been a member? And uh, Alex, if you don't mind, I'm gonna start with you this time. Sure, so I, uh, I think I've been a member since 2009, so 13 years now. I joined as a student, this was well before, you know, a lot of the schools had chapters. I think it was like just starting to be a thing. And so I kind of found a, a home in ACCP that way, got involved in the student advisory committee and then the resident advisory committee after that. And that was sort of my, my launching point to be able to do uh, more committee work within, you know, the broader ACCP and uh, within the critical care PRN in particular. Chrissy, what about you? Yeah, so I was a member of ACCP through a student chapter and, you know, kind of dabbled and stayed involved um, with ACCP as a, as a student and as an early resident. But really, I think that my involvement kind of skyrocketed at the end of my second year of residency because I actually didn't end up getting a transplant job initially when I graduated. I, I moved to Tampa without having that and I was really nervous that I was going to lose that skill set that I had spent time training for, and I wanted to find a way to stay involved and engaged in the community. And so I joined the Immunology and Transplant PRN, which has been such an incredible community, super active group of members um, that really helped provide a lot of mentorship for me as I was going through those months of not knowing what my career was going to look like and kind of trying to brainstorm ideas of what I could do and um, was able to be a kind of early career member, was able to join the EC um, of our immunology and transplant PRN as a member at large um, and eventually ended up uh, chairing that, that group, which has just been a really fun progression to see that mentorship that I was able to get and then to be able to give that back throughout the past few years. Yeah, that's really great to see. I love seeing the involvement of some of the PRNs that ACCP has, specifically the transplant PRN does a lot that I noticed. Uh, the cardiology PRN also does a lot, which I get a lot of knowledge from that PRN. So I think that's cool to describe as well. Elias, how about you? I joined ACCP in the first year I was on faculty. Um, one of my professors told me uh, about ACCP and I went to the website and I found out clinical pharmacy, practice, research and education. I was like, I'm interested in all of these three uh, so I can get three in one. So I joined ACCP and I've been going to um, a lot of annual meetings. Like it's very rare for me to miss an annual meeting or um, sometimes I have spring meetings and I go to those as well. Um, and it has been great. Like I'm part of the infectious disease PRN as well. And I got to be the chair at some point. Um, so I met a lot of uh, AD pharmacists within ACCP uh, to network, to learn from, to collaborate with, uh, and to keep us moving, you know, like uh, to keep us motivated. And uh, I always look forward uh, to, uh, um, to ACCP annual meeting to go and network with colleagues uh, and learn from the brightest clinical pharmacist there is. Deb, how about you? How was your? How long have you been involved in ACCP? I found out about ACCP when I was a student. We actually didn't have a student chapter when I started pharmacy school. And Andy Dave or Andy um, Smith, sorry, Andy Smith is um, in the cardiology PRN, and he was one of the faculty at UMKC where I went to school. I think we had had a conversation one time about wanting to do more clinical activities with the students and. 
he encouraged me to check out ACCP. And I think I went to a meeting. Um, he helped do some networking with me as a student. And I was like, we need to have a student organization for ACCP. So we actually worked together to create the student ACCP at UMKC um, during my uh, last year, right before rotations. Um, so that's kind of how I initially got involved. Um, I was really fortunate to be on the rack, both my PGY1 and my PGY2 year with Alex, who was my fearless chair on PGY2 year. And then I've just stayed involved ever since. I would say ACCP has been my number one organization that I've been involved in. You know, I also am involved in some pediatric organizations as well, but I've always found ACCP to be sort of where I feel like my biggest home is. Um, and so I've, I've always really loved serving on various committees, um, both through the pediatric PRN as well as through larger ACCP. I think as a peds person, sometimes you kind of get siloed into just your little peds group. And I really like how ACCP allows me to still integrate with all of my colleagues that work with big people too. And then I was really fortunate to have served as a, a past chair of the pediatric PRN as well. So, so yeah, I guess as a student and sort of just, uh, just through loving clinical pharmacy and wanting to find more ways to get involved in it. Henry, can I add one more thing, Deb saying something? 100%. So I had um, one of kind of the, the most well-known pharmacists in transplant, I remember one time told me, you know, you are a pharmacist first and foremost, and you should always have a pharmacy home. Um, and for her, that was ACCP, and that's what it's been for me. Um, she was like, because when someone asks you what you do, you're always going to say that you're a pharmacist. And I think, you know, transplant has several transplant organizations where pharmacists are able to be involved and that's wonderful and that's great. And a lot of people are involved in both, but, you know, I've taken that to heart and feel very strongly that, you know, we want to have a, that pharmacist home for ourselves as well. I guess on that note, we can talk a little bit about how ACCP has maybe directly or indirectly affected your career paths. So. I know Chrissy already talked about that a little bit with how she found her first job, but uh, do you have any thoughts about how your involvement in ACP has affected or directed your career? Yeah, I think I'm a firm believer that my career is incredibly shaped by my involvement in ACCP. I would say uh, maybe with the exception of choosing my specialty of pediatrics, this was probably the biggest uh, impact factor of my career. Um, I think that ACCP has probably played the next biggest influential role uh, kind of tagging along with the idea that pediatrics is sort of, you know, can often be siloed. I think that my involvement in ACCP has really shaped uh, not only my networking with colleagues outside of the pediatric area, but also just sort of how I view our profession. You know, to Chrissy's point, you're, you're a pharmacist first. And through ACCP, I've been able to work with colleagues on like multiple initiatives from ACCP, everything from you know, I was one of the authors on the competencies of a clinical pharmacist. I'm, I'm currently chairing the committee that's trying to update the white paper on, on rewards and recognition and advancement of clinical pharmacists. You know, it, it's taking this idea of, of what our profession is as a whole, of us as a larger group. What, what is clinical pharmacy? What does that mean? You know, what standards do we hold for ourselves? What recognition do we feel like we should receive? And I think that's really shaped my career um, in a different way than just the direct patient care aspect, which is obviously very important as well. So I think that um, ACCP for me has really empowered me to feel really passionate about my career as a whole. I mean, I feel very passionate about neonatology too, uh, but it's just very different. You know, like I think who I am, you know, is, is a clinical pharmacist. And I think being able to work with my colleagues, you know, across the nation and in other countries um, doing completely different jobs than I, but we still come together and have 
um, you know, a central focus of, of pushing our career forward and, and representing ourselves to other disciplines, I think has really, really shaped just like how I approach my career and like what pharmacy means to me. That's a very important point. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's very important to consider and something that I want to keep in mind as I transition to having pharmacy homes and advocacy for our profession and how I practice. Alex, what thoughts do you have about how ACCP has affected your career? I think two things come to mind for me to sort of piggyback on what, what Deb's talking about. I think if you you look at you know the most successful people in our profession, they they tend to have really strong networks. And for me, at a residency, I'm a huge introvert. So like the idea of making a network is, is just kind of terrifying. Uh, and so I think that's really where I found ECCP to be incredibly beneficial for me is you know building that network, whether it's with residency recruitment or you know, research collaborations or clinical operations and protocols. I think that has just been, you know, so, so helpful uh, in, in terms of building out things that I've had the opportunity to do in my career. But then I think the other area too is, you know, ACCP is really big on professional advancement, not only with things like board certification, but especially for things involving research, whether it's, you know, merit or fit. I did a, a research and, and scholarship uh, certificate program sort of during my training as well. Um, and I think you know, I think that's one of the things that I like is ACCP is always looking about how they can help their members advance. So I'm on a, a career transitions task force right now that's kind of doing uh, some similar things, you know, sort of in parallel with what, what Deb's group is doing as well. So those are two very important points to highlight. I think the networking is extremely important and may, might be overlooked by some early on, but I think that's some, one of the biggest takeaways that I've had early in my residency training is just how important having a network is and having those, not necessarily having connections, but having people that can vouch for you or having people that can support you, whether or not you're asking for it directly. I think it's extremely influential. And then having those resources to progress your career, especially when it comes to research or when it comes to just professional development in general, I think those are both very, very, very important points. I'm very interested in knowing the path to becoming a fellow of ACCP. So Chrissy, what are your, what was the path? For me, I think I, I was in my chair role with immunology and transplant PRN around when I hit that kind of 10 year career mark where you're even eligible um, to be a fellow. And I self-scored myself for the, that first time and saw, honestly saw a lot of deficiencies um, and saw a lot, of, a lot of things that I was marking as, as zeros and got pretty discouraged actually talked with our, our board liaison um, because, you know, at least my first read through it, the, the FCCP application um, has a lot of things on there that, you know, full-time faculty members or split faculty positions are going to have naturally like more opportunities to be involved in that I didn't have necessarily in a full-time clinical practice role. Um, and so was able to talk to our board liaison and talk to some other folks who had gotten FCCP and, you know, I didn't realize that I wasn't thinking through some of my experiences in the right way. And, you know, things like being a residency program director and having residents who then go out and um, take initiatives and take best practices that you've established at your institution to other places, like that's a, a huge success and something that you can definitely put in that application. Different clinical services or 
processes that I had implemented that had not necessarily been published, but had good internal data of, you know, improving patient care, um, I was able to, to then look at those. And so I think, you know, when I first looked at the application, I felt really discouraged. Um, and I would encourage anyone who sees it that way to think outside of the box a little bit more and potentially identify someone who kind of is in the same shoes as you or in the same path that you've taken um, to ask them like, hey, how did, how did you end up getting there? You know, like what are some of the things that you ended up putting in your application to really demonstrate the value that you bring to clinical pharmacy so that you can show that through a, a, a path that isn't as reliant on grant or, or funded research or some of those items. Yeah, very important point. I, I just took notes on that because I know that that's something that I'm sure will come up as I progress and I'll be reaching out to a variety of people to make sure that I can put myself in the best light when applying for fellow status. Uh, but Elias, how was your path and how did it potentially differ since you have the academia setting? Uh, so I, um, I'm a full-time faculty member, like Chrissy alluded to. Uh, so as a faculty member, a lot of the activities that you're involved in, in terms of uh, practice and scholarly work, are recognized or they give you points for the FCCP application. Now, when you're a junior faculty, you're going to look at it and you're going to feel overwhelmed. Oh my God, I have to have so many things and like, you know, I spend so much time on this article and it, goes, it gives me only one point or uh, so it just feels overwhelming early on uh, but I kind of downloaded the um, application like I would say in my third year and I took it as a guideline like I want to try to hit all the points and uh, um, I want to look at the activities that ACCP values because I look highly at ACCP and I feel like if ACCP values those things then they must be uh, good they sh I should be involved there so I try to as the opportunities come my way to select the opportunities that are rewarded via the um, FCCP practice pathway. And it's the same thing, uh, almost the same as my promotion from assistant to associate and then even from associate to full. So it's similar, the promotion guidelines and academic uh, setting somewhat mirror FCCP. What I like about FCCP is very objective. Uh, so it gives you points for all the activities that you've been doing. But I'll tell you a funny story. So, so when I reached the 10-year mark, I scored myself conservatively, and I was on the border. So I went to an ACCP meeting, and then one of my colleagues told me, uh, have you ever applied to FCCP? It's about the time. I told her, but I could be a little bit delayed and uh, maybe I need more stuff. And she told me, uh, no, no, I want to help you out. Let's see what you've got. And if you feel like you're on the border, apply. And then you're going to get a letter that you missed one thing or two things and they're going to tell you or uh, what to improve on. Or you're going to probably be on that threshold and then you're going to pass. So I probably was on that threshold and I passed. So thanks to her encouragement, uh, I applied. But all these activities in terms of clinical practice, in terms of publications, presentations, um, even things like advisory board from pharmaceutical company, like had I not seen this, I would not have thought back then that these are 
are important activities uh, for me to be involved in, or at least they will give me points, they will help me. So I recommend for everyone who uh, is thinking about that down the line to download this and try to select the activities that will give you point or that is valued or that are valued uh, uh, by FCCP. Yeah, great piece of advice there, especially the end about downloading that criteria and making sure that you can at least consider that when, uh, as we know that there's so many opportunities that can come by in your, especially early in your professional career, just under, having an understanding of what adds the most value to you long-term, as well as can also help reach some of these criteria, or these checkpoints is very uh, important. So, One thing I would tack on, yeah. Henry, just like as a piece of advice, since this is directed towards like residents and fellows, is if you think that FCCP is something that's in your long-term, you know, 10-year career goals, um, I would encourage you throughout your career to keep your CV updated and maybe have a separate document for stuff that doesn't maybe quite fit on your CV, but it's still kind of like accomplishments or things you worked on internally at work. To Chrissy's point, there's some things that may not be stuff you published, but it's definitely stuff you did that internally made a difference um, because it's going to be much easier for you to fill out this application later if you already have this stuff written down in a document and you can just copy paste it over instead of having to remember what you've done for the last 10 years. Yeah, I actually went through my old annual evaluations that I had saved in folders for my job to say like, what are some things that I've, I've done when I was kind of grasping, not grasping at straws, but trying to make it as robust as possible. <laughs> Great advice, that, that and Chrissy. So for those who are considering faculty position uh, when they graduate from residency, so as a faculty, you're supposed to put your portfolio when you're going to go for promotion from assistant to associate, and you're going to put another uh, dossier from associate to full. So you can also use that dossier to, uh, to kind of help you because that's where you put all these activities that you may not put on your CD. So it can help you with the application. That's what I did. Uh, I used my dossier for associate to help me fill out my FCCP application. So what contribution to ACCP or clinical pharmacy practice are you most proud of? And for this, I'll start with Deb. I guess if I had to pick one thing um, that I'm probably most proud of, maybe the thing I'm most excited about is probably the current project um, I'm getting to work on with ACCP through the Clinical Practice Affairs A Committee on updating the white paper for rewards and advancements for clinical pharmacists. I think kind of going with the last topic with regarding burnout and things like that, I think especially with the last two years of the pandemic, I think that we as pharmacists, you know, we're doing really great things. And I think that there are you know, better systems in place probably for faculty, but for especially non-faculty, I think a lot of times it's, it's really hard to identify like the rewards recognition and advancement process. And I think it's something we struggle with and I think it would be really wonderful. And I'm really excited for the group I'm working with. They're very passionate uh, to put together this paper on behalf of ACCP to really kind of do a call to action to try and advocate for our profession for clinical pharmacy and to really um, maybe develop some best practices that we want to encourage hospital administrators to utilize for rewards and advancement of clinical pharmacists. So I guess I haven't accomplished it yet, um, but I'm pretty excited about it and I'm really excited about the group I've gotten to work with. Definitely something to be excited about. How about you, Alex? You know, for me, the probably the coolest thing uh, that I've got to be involved in with ACCB was um, on the publications committee, and we were tasked with of redoing the ACCP didactic curriculum toolkit, which is basically like a list of 
all pharmacotherapy topics that schools should teach. And then we have to sort of break them down as to like tier one, tier two, and tier three in terms of whether you know students should have mastery of it or just be introduced to it or whether it's a topic that you know there's just not enough time to introduce and they'll get it postgraduate or whatever. And so that was really, really hard to work through. And I'm sure we didn't get everything right. And, and plenty of people have let me know, you know, where they disagree with it and everything. Um, but I think it's been really cool to see it be helpful for like curricular planning in colleges, not only at, at our college here, um, but other places as well. So that was probably my, my coolest thing I've gotten to do so far. It's very impressive. Like it's just so cool to think about ACCP and how what you do on that level can have a wide impact on like clinical practice across the country and the world really. I just want to mention that I know of Alex through the toolkit because every time they talk about what should be what should we teaching and we have like what should we remove from the topics because the topics are keeping keep growing and we only have four years to teach. I was like, get the toolkit, get the toolkit. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure uh, you know when we're going to see the publication from that regarding rewards, so uh, it's going to be very helpful too. So you notice that the. Um, that the impact of the work that ACCP does has really is really strong across uh, across the academy and across clinical pharmacy. That's awesome. I would, that's great that you can see it already how impactful that toolkit has been. Um, and just from that alone, it makes me encouraged to see like the type of work that gets done in ACCP. I think it's great that you've been able to share some of these accomplishments with us. I would love to give the floor to Chrissy and Elias to share their um, things that they're most proud of too, just to give everybody that same opportunity. So Chrissy, what are you most proud of in terms of ACCP contributions or clinical pharmacy contributions? Yeah, I, I think um, the thing that stands out most to me is the, the special issue that we were able to do on transplant for pharmacotherapy. It started as this kind of like basic idea with a small group of people. And literally we were like writing down potential article ideas on the back of a napkin somewhere. We were, I think either at a transplant meeting or a, an ACCP meeting. And we were like, yeah, I mean, that would work. That would work. Who could, who could write that one? That would be great. What research can we put in it? And to get to see that through and, and you know, I've done a lot of peer review, but then to get to see the back end of, the the editor side of seeing those peer reviews come in and then how you how you make decisions on that that was such a cool experience that I got to have um, that I'm so happy that ACCP kind of offers up or that the journals offer up these these times for these themed issues and and offer kind of guest editor times um, or, or spots for different folks um, that was definitely something that was really fun to work on and, and see the whole side of publishing. I mean, when I saw that issue last year, I was very, very impressed. And I was like, oh, that was my preceptor. Like, I was very, it was very cool. So even though I had nothing to do with it, but still. Elias, do you have anything you'd like to share about what, what contributions to ACP you're proudest of? To be honest, I take pride in every uh, single opportunity that I got uh, that I get from ACCP, whether it's a, it's a small contribution, a publication in pharmacotherapy, in JACCP, um, you know, in the PSAP series, IDSAP series. But if I have to pick something, I guess I always think very highly of ACCP and all my colleagues. I think ACCP is blessed to have the best clinical pharmacy practitioners, the best clinical pharmacy researchers 
and the best clinical pharmacy educators. So when I got tapped into uh, um, serving as the ID PRM chair when I got elected, I felt like that was a good opportunity to be able uh, to serve as the leader of this uh, group of ID pharmacists and get to know them more and establish those relationships that I feel like I'm most proud of and I feel like I can lean on them. If I have a question, I can text somebody, I can email somebody. Uh, if I need help in something, I can call. So I feel like that networking that came from, uh, uh, from the IDPRM is what I'm most proud of. So I appreciate you all stopping by today. And I hope you all have a great rest of your evenings. Thank you for listening to an ACCP podcast for residents by residents. Our theme music is titled Jupiter's Smile by the 126ers and is provided through YouTube's free audio library. Please subscribe to the ACCP podcast to be notified of new episodes.